Have you ever felt lost when trying to support a grieving friend? Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving is your go-to guide for offering real comfort in difficult times. Written by Angie Williams, this book is packed with practical tips and heartfelt advice. Be the friend who makes a difference. Order your copy today at Amazon.com or visit www.slowtospeakwithvooch.com. That's slow, the number two, speak with V-O-O-C-H dot com. Order now and transform the way you support those you care about. Suggested etiquettes for the grieving because being there matters. So today we'll be discussing afterthoughts from reading the book with friends and family who have previewed the book. And for this podcast, we'll be joined by Jordan Collins, the son of Nikki Renfro, who wrote Etiquette Number 4, Remember the Griever, After the Crowd Has Gone in the book. So how are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to um, come on here and share my expertise, you know, like yes. you said earlier, but really, um, I'm just here to be a reflection of my mom. So I'm pretty, pretty proud of her and what she's done. Oh, oh awesome. Thank awesome. you so much. Well, before we start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, like what you do for a living, some things that you like to do in your spare time? Yeah. So right now I am a doctoral candidate at St. Louis University mm. um, in the clinical psychology program. Yes. Um, I'm being supervised by Dr. Michael J. Ross, mm. and he has a uh, lab and it's a sports psychology lab. So yeah. um, at SLU, it's a clinical psychology program with a number of different labs for ADHD, child and adolescent development. But the lab that I'm in is sports psychology. So we're adding a clinical focus to uh sports psychology and those approaches. Wow. I like that. I really, really like that. Wow. Yeah. We're pretty excited about Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned um, that um, basically you're going to be leaving here, what, in a couple months? And what is that? What's that going to be about? Yeah. So in our program, it's the clinical psychology program, four years of coursework. And then the last year you go on internship and then you'll be able to be a uh, get your PhD. Um, So in the internship process, you apply to different sites throughout the country um, that are clinical focused. But um, since sports psychology is a newer field, Mm -hmm. there was only about six or seven um, sites in the country. And Mm. I applied to all of them, of of course, but also like general sites, because if that didn't work out, I had to fall back on something. So um, luckily, I was able to match with University of Southern California um, in their sports psychology program. So um, it's their second year of having this um, internship program. And I'm so happy that like they match with me and I match with them because, you know, it's going to be a major shift moving from the Midwest all the way over there. But um, it'll be a good chance for me to actually uh, get more breadth of what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and be able to um, expand that out. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Wow. Wonderful. Wow. Wonderful. Now with all that going on, what, what do you like to do for like your spare time? That is such a great question. That's like a question they ask. Like, you know, on interviews, they say, hey, well, you're applying for this PhD spot. Like, what do you do in your spare time? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, 
I really don't know because I'm always doing something. <laughs> yes. and I'm never stopping. And um, now that I'm reflecting on that more, I need to, you know, realize that I am doing all these great things. I need to actually like celebrate that. Mm, so yes. exactly. when I have like time to myself or a weekend off, I will like literally go to a hotel and just sleep. Good. I'll get out of my Good. like apartment. I won't go to school like campus. I'll just go to a hotel and just like sleep, turn off Good. my email. And wow. that's like the boundaries that I have for myself now. So Good. yeah, it's just those little things. Wow, I like that. I <laughs> Me like too. that. I might have to take that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a fancy one, you know, just something that's, you know, comfortable for you, whatever, yes. just for yourself. So yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that that advice. You said it doesn't have to be something fancy because that's when we talk about self-care, we, we tend to think you have to do this elaborate thing and that's even right. more stressful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. sometimes that self care can put you in more debt or whatever right, after it's right, done, right? right. What that? Exactly. <laughs> then you get more stressed. <laughs> get more stressed for taking care mm-hmm. of yourself. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Now you wrote a poem um, we shared on your mother's um, podcast that she did with us in the show notes. Do you mind telling us a little backstory about that poem? Yeah. So. <laughs> Like, I feel kind of guilty um, <clears throat> doing these things here in, at St. In, in in St. Louis. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that I didn't imagine myself doing in mm-hmm. life, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I'm proud that I am doing it. But mm-hmm. I also want to use the platform that I do have mm-hmm. to like reflect on the, the people that don't have voices, like my brother. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, you know, that coming up on the anniversary of his, you know, murder. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to do something. I didn't know like exactly what to do, but I figured, you know, I'm have this skill of writing and mm-hmm. like put my emotions into things. And I just wanted to be able to um, do that on a bigger platform. And mm-hmm. what's even like, more interesting is, I don't know if my mom remembers this, but when I was going to Illinois Wesleyan, I was in this creative writing class Mm. and I had to write um, a poem then about uh, something. And it just came to me at that time to talk about my brother. And um, I don't, I can't remember like exactly what I said in it, but I'm pretty sure my mom has it. I guarantee she does. (laughs) Um, But I had to read it in class and I couldn't even finish it because I was crying because I just got caught up in the emotions. And, you know, I had to have someone else finish it for me. Mm. And I felt so embarrassed that I mm. did that because I wrote this whole poem up and I couldn't even finish it, reading it in front of my friends, my, not, my, not my friends, my classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, now, 10 or so years later, whatever, I'm at this stage in my life where I have a bigger platform. More people mm-hmm. know me for what I've done, but people don't know where I've came from. And that's not something I need to be ashamed of, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm proud to reflect on. Um, and I, I really wanted my mom to know that no one's forgetting him. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, basically that. Yeah, it was just a big bundle of emotions just put out there. And actually, I haven't even like like uh, looked at the responses or anything like that. That I tend to do that. Just do something, yes. put it out in the world, just have people digest it. So yeah, mm. that was very well put. I remember reading that. We're going to put it back on. We're releasing the podcast and and a chapter a week. And on her week, we will release your poem again. I remember reading it, but the very end is the the part that stuck out to me because it was so raw and so real. And you said something to the point of, why didn't you hide? And Mm -hmm. I just 
bust out into tears because I understood that because I my niece was murdered by her boyfriend. And mm. so um, it's almost like you, you have that thought in your mind of like, why didn't you hide? Why didn't you get out of the situation? And that was just so raw and so real. I, I just appreciate you being so raw and so real about how you feel because I know when I was grieving and many people, when they grieve, there's this guilt and there's these thoughts that come in your mind and nobody wants to say them. Mm-hmm. And mm. you put it in there. And it's so interesting because right when we were in the, um, the, the is it the blue room that you referred it to? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when we said, if you would have known better, you would have done better. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And with interesting with like grief and trauma, you look back on these instances like, oh, why didn't I do that? Why didn't they do mm-hmm. this? But spending time on the woulda, coulda, shoulda prevents mm-hmm. you from the processing and getting over that. And yes. it's not so much getting over it, but just like coming to terms with what's happened mm-hmm. and getting to the next level for yourself. I um, like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to like talk about that with you all because it's, it's a very interesting thing with grief and trauma because it takes so many different forms and shapes and right. um, timelines to, you know, come to terms with things if you can. Um, and some people have the, 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 the capacity to do that while others are just stuck and can't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, and I would love for you to elaborate on that whenever you're ready in this podcast, because this is some good stuff. I I totally understand that that grief. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that guilt of of trying mm-hmm. to get past it and thinking of what I wish it could have happened this way. I wish, it, yeah, I get that. I appreciate what mm-hmm. you just shared. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, yeah. Now I know that um, you were a track star in high school. Um, your mom uh, was talking about that. Is that correct? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt lost when trying to support a grieving friend? Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving is your go-to guide for offering real comfort in difficult times. Written by Angie Williams, this book is packed with practical tips and heartfelt advice. Be the friend who makes a difference. Order your copy today at Amazon.com or visit www.slowtospeakwithvooch.com. That's slow, the number two, speak with V-O-O-C-H dot com. Order now and transform the way you support those you care about. Suggested etiquettes for the grieving because being there matters. Yeah, I <laughs> tracks is interesting. Like I was, I was, good in track absolutely and i'm so happy that Mm. i found something that i was good at because um i I didn't have that growing up you Mm. know in let's say uh elementary school i wasn't athletic i didn't have like those skills i didn't know how to bond with the guys like Mm. that that was more so my brothers you know they Mm. played basketball i just I was raised by women. All I knew how to do was like talk mm-hmm. and thank goodness mm-hmm. I had to get the gab because that's how <laughs> I, you know, got friends, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was also very, and I guess how this is where I can tie in all the things. Um, I was also acting out when I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where this anger came from, where, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, frustration, this hostility. But then the other times, like I was a perfect student, like just happy. But those little things would just trigger me where I just couldn't hold it in. And I would mm-hmm. just have outbursts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And when my brother was killed in 2003, um, I realized that I can't put this like stress on my mom anymore because mm. I have them calling her at jo- at work, you know, having to come from her job to come pick me up because I got suspended for the day because I cussed out the teacher. Mm. And meanwhile, she's trying to like do all these things at home. And what I didn't realize at the time was because all the things at home were going on, I was taking it out on others at school. Mm-hmm. And um, that's nothing against my like mom or family or anything, but that's just the situation, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> and when I went to middle school, I realized, okay, I have the the, the, the um, um, resources to play sports. I'm not can't do basketball. I won't do that, but I am kind of good at running. I used to run away from home whenever I got a whooping. <laughs> so, you know, let's try that. Right. And I was in the, I was good at it, but I didn't know what track was. I, sh- I showed up the first day in spikes running on concrete. Like mm. I didn't know mm. you need running shoes. And once I got used to it and, you know, uh, learned the systems or whatever, like I realized this is something where I can put all that frustration and energy Wonderful. in. Too. Mm. and it's really started in middle school got better into high school but that was the performances i was more than just like the you know the 200 meter runner you know i had to be coached right. and and you know uh middle school i was coached by you know a, a black coach it was very unstructured but we did what we had to do mm-hmm. um getting to high school it was more formal and um springfield you know we were i was a part of the transition where we were going to competitions, winning things, setting records. Mm-hmm. That was us. Mm-hmm. But wow. I didn't know how to handle that mm-hmm. that stress. Mm-hmm. You know, coaches telling me to do this and do that. And mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, my mom didn't talk to me like that. Who are yeah. you? <laughs> and yeah, and like having those those um, fights with them, mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time. Like, this is the system that I just need to deal with not mm. you know change myself for but you know just you know do what i need to do to get to the next level but at that time i thought you showed me aggression i'm going to show you aggression mm. and that's not the best approach and please let me know if i'm like rambling on because i tend to no, like do that no, a lot. No. <laughs> this is great yeah this is this is great because it goes along with you know some of the experiences that our son tony you know, was going through, you know, in his chapter in Etiquette 7. So this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I listened to uh, his podcast and, you know, he's, the he, football was him mm-hmm. and I'm track, but like, it's the same thing. It's yep. the same game. Mm-hmm. And you stress your out. So you're stressing yourself out so much trying to change the game yes. instead of not playing it, but just mm-hmm. understanding yes. it and not putting yourself through hell and high water to change mm-hmm. it, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, with when I listened to his story, his, you know, kind of stopped in high school, the minds like went on into college mm. and it got even worse there. Wow. And, you know, I feel like I'm tripping all over the place. No, you're not. This is <laughs> no, you're not. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, when I'm whenever I talk about this, I'm just like thinking about what my mom is listening to because she's been through all of this with me. She's mm-hmm. like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Um, yes, Nikki. Right, love her. Gotta love her for it. Um, 
But what people saw from me was just, oh, he's a fast runner, like, but he does have an attitude. And people didn't realize like the attitude came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that in high school, if I didn't have uh, Coach Kanan Reinenberger, who he is a white man, but he was like that person that I needed to like slow me down. Like, mm-hmm. what is going on with you? Like, you know, Good. I would come to practice and like have an attitude about something, you know, not knowing how to vocalize like what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he would be the one to put me to the side. Hey, what's going on? You know, he didn't have like that emotional connection that I needed, but he did slow things down mm-hmm. and he, he allowed me to be heard. Um, but going into high school, I'm, I'm sorry, going into college. You know, I didn't know how to be recruited. I didn't mm. know what I really didn't know the the differences between D one, D two, D three. All I thought was get a scholarship. That's right. the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my coach that recruited me from Wesleyan, you know, sold me the dream. I thought this is going to be amazing. Yes. Going to be an All American the first year. And you know, that first month, I realized I stepped into the wrong doo doo. I don't <laughs> know what I'm going to do here. And you know, it looks so familiar to Springfield, minor, majority white, you know, yes. some black. Mm-hmm. I can connect with that. I know that. But mm-hmm. it was different because they were different whites, different black. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it was a whole new identity for myself um, because they didn't know my backstory. You know, they didn't have this buildup of Jordan. This is something that mm-hmm. they just saw, something they saw on paper. And I had to live up to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, High school, I got homecoming king. Mm-hmm. College, I got homecoming king. Wow. You know, I'm doing wow. in these like majority, like popular crowds, but those really were just things that I did to survive in mm-hmm. order to like not get to the next step, but like not fade into the background yeah. or right. um, lose whatever identity I thought I had. Does that kind of make sense? It makes yeah, total yeah. sense because my son went through the same thing when he he um went to what was McKendry. He yeah, went to McKendry. McKendry. And he had the same thing, and then he just said, "Look, I'm out. I can't do this." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, like when you mentioned Illinois Wesleyan, because um, when I was in high school many moons ago, um, many, one of my many moons ago. <laughs> well, many, many, <laughs> uh, one of my best friends, he actually went there. So, mm-hmm. and he was a straight A student. So I had that, you know, in my mind of what type of school that was. So when you mentioned yeah. it, I was like, "Oh man, you went there? Wow." You know, so that's and, that's awesome. But and that's the thing I want to ask you. How was it with that transition of dealing with going to that school and trying to find your identity, mm-hmm. you know, with all those people there? Mm-hmm. It was such a learning curve for me because mm-hmm. I was going from a comfortable space where, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have to. Why well, I put it on every day whenever I woke up. But people knew who I was in Springfield Mm -hmm. transitioning to college. It was all me, a new me, uh, an independent Jordan. So, um, you know, I had to learn how to manage my own money. What? Mm -hmm. Never learned how to do that. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to manage my time. You know, someone's not waking me up. I'm waking myself up. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm learning interweaving this professional development in these different classes and how Mm -hmm. am I showing up? Um, and, 
it, what really hit me, um, I was talking to one of my athletes the other day um, about them walking around St. Louis and how they wear their, you know, uh, uh, school paraphernalia, like their, mm-hmm. you know, track suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so interesting because when I moved to Bloomington, I realized once I stepped off of campus, I need to make sure that I wore something that said Illinois Wesleyan track and field or Illinois Wesleyan on it because that would allow me to at least not be followed around so much in wow. the store mm. or you know um if if i'm at a new place or something they'll say oh you go to wesley what sport do you play it's mm-hmm. always that assumption right. instead <laughs> instead of like wearing regular clothes you know they're following you around or they're right, asking right. you help and those are the things that i didn't realize i was doing in springfield that became more apparent in bloomington mm. um so yeah and some most students don't have that black students that are going right. to a, a white space like that don't understand that so they're you know just fumbling through the weeds mm-hmm. and thank goodness you know i do have the gift of gab where if i see a group i can try to find some connection with them mm-hmm. and then get in with them so that i don't worry about you know being alienated or you know isolated um yeah. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense because I find even now at my age, sometimes I would wear my Illinois hat because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about how are people going to view me walking around the neighborhood, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, instead mm-hmm. of wearing like, you know, my skull cap, you know, or something like that. It's like, let me wear my Illinois hat, you know, or my bear's hat. <laughs> so you're you're conscious of what everyone else is going to be viewing you, you know? Mm-hmm what type of lens they're going to be looking at you. So, yeah, I definitely relate. And Jordan, the way you're verbalizing your experience as being a Black athlete or being a Black um, college student is so valuable and is so... This is just some good stuff. I Man, we couldn't have asked more of what you just said. This is wonderful. I'm sorry, I keep saying that, but I am just so loving this. No, thank you. And, you know... um, I, before we got on here, I, I wrote down like a couple of things that I definitely wanted to like hit on. Please um, So many ad black athletes in high school, their next step is to get that scholarship to play a sport and in college be recruited. Um, but a lot don't a, a lot of athletes families do not realize that there's such an emotional toll that mm-hmm. taxation that goes on the athlete because here they are stepping into a new system that they have no idea about they just have um, um a, a, a image of you know yep. i thought once i was gonna go to wesleyan everything's gonna be primus corn for me yes you know i was gonna be a star athlete get along with my coach oh my nothing goodness, was yes. gonna be you know any problems but my coach isn't talking to me my coach doesn't you know um like me i'm getting emails you know saying i have to fight for my spot on relays when it's like wait i didn't expect to do all this and mm. i don't want i at that time you know my friends from high school are doing great in college i'm seeing on instagram things are going great mm-hmm. and i didn't want to like text and call them and say hey you know can we talk about this? Like, I see you're having a great time, but mm. I'm struggling over here because that's not something that I thought I could do or knew mm-hmm. I or knew how to do. 
Right. Um, so internalizing all of that, you know, pressure and that frustration and mm -hmm. anger, um, I thought I could put it into track, but track was something that was causing it as well. So wow. then what do you do, right? Right, yes. right, exactly. You are giving me so much insight and more insight into my son's experience. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And, and I'll, uh, I'll go right ahead. No, go right ahead. Um, and it's... I talk with a lot of athletes, you know, they're telling me their experiences and I'm relating to them through mine. And when mm -hmm. they say, you know, um, um, their parents don't understand them whenever they, mm -hmm. you know, tell them their problems, it is them. They do understand them, but the responses that they're giving their kids is coming from the parents, you know, perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, what can I do to solve this? What I see you're going through some emotional problem. What can I do to fix it? Cause no parent wants to see the, you know, kid go through something like that. Right. right. And it's, the kids feel bad when they feel when, when parents do give them that feedback mm -hmm. because it's not help they feel like it's not helpful mm -hmm. but it is helpful but it's just they need something else mm -hmm. parents can't solve everything does right. that kind of make sense yeah it yeah, makes definitely. total sense because i don't mm -hmm. know i mean you probably even responded to what my son had said he said the same thing it was a major blow when we interviewed him and he started yeah. expressing what he was really feeling. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <know> all that. <laughs> and like I oh said, you give me even yes. more insight. Mm -hmm. And my mom and I, we, uh, I love, clearly she is my role model. Mm, and that's, that's such amen. a cliche to say. Mm -hmm. But like, she's been through so many things. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do it like that. But mm. I don't want her to do that. Mm. One of the worst a word that I hate to say is resilient or seeing someone who is who shows resilience mm -hmm. because someone who is resilient is someone who has gone through so many yep. troubles and tribulations. They've overcome that yes. and no one wakes up and goes, oh, my son was murdered and I'm going to have a great day. Mm. Right. Right. So I don't look at that word as a word of endearment, empowerment, but just like, oh, well, it's like when someone dies in your family and says i'm so sorry for your loss you don't say thank you back because it's not something to think it's right. like well sure you know <laughs> right, Does that I, make laugh, sense? I laugh at that because i've asked people to stop telling me that <laughs> someone mm, told what, me yeah, that can you tell me more yeah someone had told me uh, years ago that they said don't say you're sorry because why are you sorry that they they, they died mm -hmm. i one thing that stood out to me is when someone said my heart hurts because that's how I really feel. When I hear other other people's losses now, I understand now that it hurts because I understand that they have to bury this person. This person is gone I after experiencing it. So when someone said, I'm sorry for your loss, I'm like, you don't, what are you sorry for? And then after I had back-to-back -back losses, so eventually I got to the point of saying, if you can't bring mm -hmm. them back, stop telling me you're sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was just one of those things where I'm just like, please stop telling me that. And I love another thing you just said about the resilience because it kind of speaks about, I, I will send you the rest of the book because we only send you my son's chapter. Mm -hmm. But my brother's chapter says, do not equate um, my being strong to showing no emotions. Right. Because we grew up in Chicago where you couldn't show your emotions. Mm -hmm. And so that resilience thing is just unprocessed grief. And so it just started building and building it and you spoke about it earlier and then we um react a certain way like in chicago people come off mean but they mm -hmm. we don't realize that they're holding on to so much stuff so and i'm and i'm gonna shut up because you actually are the expertise on this so <laughs> i'll you know, let you, you speak on it 
you actually just um, brought something to my uh, attention. You know, you said you suffered two losses back to back. And so did my mom. I'm pretty sure she talked about it. You know, in May of 2003, my Uncle Jerry died of a heart attack. <sighs> and then in August, my brother was, you know, killed. Gosh, and mm. months after that, my sister became ill with her mm. a chronic disease. Mm. And through all of those things, my mom was able to still go to work, still mm-hmm. take care of the house do all these things and i thought you know okay this is this is normal we're, we're just getting along we're just doing this mm-hmm. but again it's that unprocessed grief no mm-hmm. time to stop and go i just lost my brother mm-hmm. my son was just killed i have to be my caretaker for my daughter mm-hmm. and she hasn't had that time to do that mm-hmm. and now that i am becoming a therapist and i'm learning all these things about unprocessed grief and trauma mm-hmm. and you know um um going home and seeing that dynamic in a different lens. Mm. It just puts me in a different headspace that Mm. it's kind of too hard for me to grapple with at times. Mm. And it's nothing against, and I understand, like my mom knows everything that I go through. She can, even even if we don't talk for a week or two, she knows exactly how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So whenever I go home, like she sees that I'm in another headspace and she doesn't like to see me go through that. And at this time, I'm like at a, I'm, I'm an adult now and I don't want her to feel like she has to, take on the burden of how I'm feeling because I'm she sorry, has her own feelings. Is that that'll nev- yes, that'll never go away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we love you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like we want you guys, man, I'm, I ain't mean to interrupt you. I apologize, but no. No, you're good. Yeah. Being a mom, you're always, she talks about it. You pour into your children and then when you see um, them going through some things, you just want them to be okay, and that and mm-hmm. that's something that I think is innate, and we can't we can't turn it off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in college, I was junior year, things were going well for me. You know, I was getting straight A's. Mm. studying psychology i didn't have a plan after i graduated Mm -hmm. but track was going well i'm you know getting good records and all that stuff um but when 2015 came around january when i had my accident you know i was running on the track indoor um i took one wrong step my right ankle collapsed it broke and then Mm. went forward and i broke my uh, radius of my arm and that split second my whole life changed and I didn't understand that Mm. because when I you know the athletic trainer came and took me to the training room and when I saw my like arm just go limp I was like oh my goodness uh what do we do now um Mm. went to the hospital you know and they told me pretty much my career was over with at that point because it would take so long for me to recover from you know the surgery And then, you know, getting back up to shape or whatever, um, that it just wouldn't make sense to continue to run. But Mm -hmm. that's all I knew what to do. Like, that's what do you mean? That's my plan. I don't Mm -hmm. have a plan but to run, Mm -hmm. you know. And when the injury happened that same night, my mom was in Bloomington that same night. Wow. (laughs) That's, you know. She immediately, because she knew that, you know, my coach and I weren't on good terms. So to have your child in that type of situation, not in front of you in your presence she told me that it was one of the worst things she ever went through Mm -hmm. so of course she would come and to see if i was physically okay even though my arm was broken Mm -hmm. um and you know 
going through that whole process of recovery and realizing, man, I don't have a plan now. Like I'm not mm. going to be running. What do I do? Um, it was a big toll for all me. And if it wasn't for my mom saying, maybe we should reach out and get some help or something. Um, that's when I got hooked up with my sports psychologist in Bloomington. Mm. And mm. I was like, um, um, uh, opened my eyes was open to psychology because of course like a black kid what do you mean i'm, I'm not crazy i don't need help right, right 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 but you know i realized okay i'm not leaving my apartment you know i'm mm -hmm. going to class but i'm not retaining anything i'm not going out oh, wow. and it was because i was depressed mm -hmm. you know i had nothing to look forward to i didn't know how to you know vocalize my arm is broke my, mm -hmm. you know my career is over with this is what i worked up for and now i can't do it how do i process that my goodness. Um, but mm. being able to talk to someone about that objectively and not having to put on a show or, mm -hmm. you know, present myself in a, a light that I, you know, know isn't beneficial to me helped me because sometimes you need that person to go, okay, this is what we're dealing with here. What can we do? Right. Not the woulda, coulda, shoulda, but what mm -hmm. can we do now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the responsibility that I'm taking in my role as a sports psychologist, sport consultant, therapist, clinical, you know, psychologist, showing up in spaces where not so many black faces are, mm -hmm. but showing you that this black face has experience and knowledge and can relate to others. Um, that's what I've gained up until this point. So I feel like I just went on a huge tangent there. Sorry about no, that. No, you didn't. No, no, no. You, again... My son expressed all this um, in in the book at one point when you said he said he lost his sanity, his weight and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you just said the exact same thing because it was I remember when he got, he was um, going to high school. I was told to take a step back because I was that mama bear. I was going up. Mm -hmm. I went up to the school one time to a coach because I was just like, you don't talk to my son like that because I saw the mental abuse. And mm -hmm. so I was told to back off. <laughs> so I went. So. He eventually, um, when he got hurt, I knew at that time how devastating that was. And I told him before then, I said, when you get hurt or if you get hurt, the only ones who would be here for you, we will be the ones here for you. The rest of them, they probably won't care as much. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what happened. I stayed downstairs with him because we have a upstairs, downstairs. Is He was healing from his knee injury. I, when they took him off to um, to get his surgery, they had the parents couldn't go back there. It just felt like... They just ripped my heart out because I was like, I want to be there in the room with him. I want to hold his hand. I want. It was just really hard. And I love that Nikki came down there because we talked about this earlier. How I met her is I saw a picture of you running track on her desk. And mm -hmm. we, and that's how we um, connected. And from then, your mom, she's a woman of few words. But I just, <laughs> when she talks, it's just one, it's, you can tell that she's been through some things because she speaks with so much wisdom in those few mm -hmm. words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is my biggest supporter in anything that I do. Mm -hmm. But I know that sometimes even her support can get in the way of what I need to do. For example, you know, getting this opportunity to move to L.A. and be mm -hmm. in this program, number one in the country, it's a dream. Yes. But the first thing I thought of was, oh, my goodness, how is my mom going to react to this? Oh, you know, wow. it's her her baby moving further right, away from her. Right. Like, how is she going to? But then I thought, you know what? This is something that I also am doing to make her proud. So it's like a, mm -hmm. a double whammy there. 
And as you can see, everything I do is to make my mom proud. But I realized that, you know, that can also take things back for me because I'm my own person, right? I need to do things that make me happy and that are in my favor. And, you know, sometimes that means moving across the country. And if that happens, I know that we will be able to get through it because she knows that it's a step in the the right direction for me. Does that kind of make sense? Yes, you're over here giving me a therapy session. So thank you so much. (laughs) Because you give me into the recess, I can speak to my son now differently. So thank you, Jordan. Oh, that is exactly what I do like with... um, my patients and clients so like at SLU we have traditionally saw athletes only on campus mm-hmm. uh, from the SLU athletes but um, within the last year or so we've expanded to the community mm-hmm. and when we expanded to the, to the community we also are now seeing families oh, with wonderful. athletes so you know the way that I run my sessions if I'm seeing an athlete I want to see the athlete four times a month every week and on that fourth a week we're gonna have a family check-in where Mm -hmm. i'm sitting down with mom dad grandma whoever the uh guardian is with the athlete Mm -hmm. so that we're all on the same page they can see how i'm communicating with the athlete Mm -hmm. and how the athlete is responding so that mom and dad or whoever can take that home and do that in the home Mm -hmm. so that it's more fluid yes um I, 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 in every single, you know, new uh, parent dynamic, I say it's like a, a, a trainer, a, a dog, I'm sorry, a person with a new puppy that's taking it to go get mm, trained. Right. You know, the the trainer, the the pup, the the owner thinks that the puppy is getting the learning tricks, but really it's the owner that's learning the tricks. Right. And <laughs> for the parents to learn that at home and, you know, they can, the athletes, the kids can see that the parents are trying. Mm-hmm. That's all the athlete needs, you know? Oh, um, wow. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because I was just going to, it leads into the next question I was going to ask. Do you think that young athletes now are speaking out about their mental distress or, you know, things that are going on with them? Do you see that? Absolutely. Um and it's all about changing. And I'm just going to do this. Uh, when you said mental distress and mental health and you know mental disorders, what mm-hmm. I do is try to like reframe those words mm-hmm. because it has like a, such a negative connotation right off the bat. Right, right? right. So whenever I think about mental stress or mental health, I have to say brain health because mm-hmm. it's really your brain and its yep. functionality and how it's responding. So if we think about brain health, we can think of it more of in a neutral or a positive way. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. And I see what you mean, because when you bring up mental, it's like, you know, immediately that person is sort of like, I don't have a problem. What what are you trying Mm -hmm. to say? Right. You Mm -hmm. know, they're they're on their defense, you know. And it's connected to being um, mentally, you know, you know, people think you're being crazy. I, I just mm-hmm. I say it. They just mm-hmm. connected to being crazy. So I, I will change my phrasing on that because I like that phrase, brain health. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize that I could do that. You know, mm-hmm. you learn to respond to things in a certain way. You mm-hmm. learn to tell yourself things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But you can also learn to change those things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's... It starts with yourself. Mm-hmm. If you can talk to yourself in a more gentle way, mm-hmm. then you will like over time see yourself like vocalizing things differently. Does that yes. kind of make sense? And it sounds so woo woo, but going through these different like 
theories and modalities and like protocols with clients, taking all that away and just saying, okay, how do you want to be talked to? How would mm-hmm. you like people to talk to you? Mm-hmm. That is so beneficial. Does that kind of make sense? It yeah. makes a lot of yeah. sense because that's I kind of do that when it comes to racial trauma because mm-hmm. um, sometimes people will say, I don't like the the term um, minority or underserved populations and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I try to say something differently or the BIPOC population because we are people. We're not mm-hmm. these people who need to be helped. We, we need we need um, the support, but not feel like we're victims. I feel like we're victims when we say marginalized or um, all those words. So mm-hmm. you just taught me something about the, the um, brain health component of is like, those need different terms as well. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it, it's all about um, looking at the situation that you're in. When people are diagnosed with like ADHD, bipolar, mm-hmm. depression, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's, it is a label that they have, but it's the situations that they are put in. Mm-hmm. If you are able to, you know, process you know, a highly stressful or crisis situation without, you know, breaking down. That's a lot Mm -hmm. helpful for you instead of going into things and completely shutting down. Mm -hmm. And if people have those tools to do that, um, it's better for them. But you have to first acknowledge that you need to learn to those tools and how to apply them. and I'm still learning that for myself. You know, I didn't have therapy until I got into grad school because I didn't think that I needed it. Mm-hmm. And it's so, you know, hyper, so uh, critical of me to think that because I'm going to be a therapist thinking that I don't need therapy. Mm-hmm. When, you know, according to the ACEs, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Test, um, and I guess I can explain that with that with the adverse childhood experiences test is it's a like questionnaire for like individuals to see how many uh, traumatic experiences they had from the age of zero to 17. Mm. And, you know, if I took that when I was 17, I would have had seven out of 10. And that makes wow. me more susceptible to, you know, substance abuse, depression, mm. anxiety, wow. you know, chronic health issues. And at that time, I didn't understand that. But now learning all of these things in, you know, in my education now, mm. I'm realizing, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. it's the situation that I was in. Mm. And it's not like my mom's fault, my family's fault. It's you, just a situation that we were put in. Right. And if we would have known how to do better, respond to things differently, like if my mom would have known, oh, shoot, you know, my brother died, my son died. Let me put my kids and myself in therapy now. Mm-hmm. We would be in a different space now. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know that. Is that right. going to make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to navigate when you have all those different things that are going on, you know, and mm-hmm. especially in a black community yep. to know, okay, what are my resources? What are my options? It's like mm-hmm. we don't have that. Those aren't aren't displayed out there for us. Right. You know, and then just what you just mentioned in this, you know, like I never heard of that term before, you know, mm-hmm. and to know mm-hmm. that there was actually there's a test out there that you mm-hmm. can take that can sort of let you know, hey, I could be headed in this direction or mm-hmm. my son, yep. my daughter could be headed in this direction. Here's some things we can do in order to to help change that, that course mm-hmm. that they might be headed towards. And a lot of people mm-hmm. also feel like they don't have the time or the money. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so those are the other barriers that 
we can discuss a little bit because um, I like what you said because I'm like, I'm about to sign up a session with this man. <laughs> because you only got two months left now. <laughs> I know. I'm going to follow him. I'm like, what you doing in um, LA? I'm like, I just hey, need your you help. Need to set up something online. But, right. but it's just like you don't find a lot of people who had the experience, the background, and then they go into the profession like you. You're, you're mm-hmm. like very rare to me. Sometimes um, we only had the options of those. And I don't mean to say this in a mean way, but only white therapists who mm-hmm. only understood up to a certain point. And and I've learned that this new racial trauma term is coming about. And so now they're going to learn it from a book's point of view. But when somebody mm-hmm. has experienced it, they can catch it faster and they can address it faster to me. And so you're you're a rarity. Yeah. You know, and another thing I want to point out real quick is that um, I don't know if you ever... Um, watched the show Grownish. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, th- th- they had a section on there talking about um, brain health. You know, mm-hmm. using the other word, but their situation was the counselors that were there didn't look like them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it was hard for them to to open up to them because they didn't come from the same background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's great to see that that you're in this. Yep. You know, because that's a lot of times we find ourselves in our community. It's like, well, they don't come from our background. Mm-hmm. They don't talk how we talk. They haven't had the same experiences, mm-hmm. you know, that we have. You know, could you talk a little bit about that with, you know, with what you guys are doing there, you know, in, in St. Louis? 100%. Um, I value my um, race and my identity so much that I put you know, my reputation on the line for school. For, mm. I'll explain that. With our lab, now that we're seeing, you know, uh, private clients out in, out in the community, it was so much um, um, of a uh, uphill battle for me to advocate for us to be able to do that. I saw that the value that we had in seeing the athletes at SLU, and then I also realized that there are communities and populations out in St. Louis that would need our services. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the moment that we opened up, you know, our services, putting our faces on the website, Mm -hmm. you know, sending out our mailers to different schools and, you know, organizations and having a presence online and showing that we have Black people we have Asian mm. people, we have a white Wonderful. people, so that um, when families do seek out that services, our services, they can look at our page and go, oh, okay, mm. um, maybe my child can connect to them, mm. right. at least on a race-based uh, level. You know, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yes. yeah definitely. Um, but I also realized that there can be, you know, some um, 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 backlash to that because sometimes when I show up and people are questioning my competency, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, are you in school? Like, oh, that's so good for you. Um, you know, and those like little microaggressions like that, mm-hmm. I realize that's more on them, right. not on me. Does right. that kind of make sense? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Are definitely. you speaking more of the um, non-Black um, people or the Blacks? Because I remember being in a profession where I had both of them question my credibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's more of the non-blacks okay. um, than, the, than the black uh, clients. Mm-hmm. But um, I can still deal with those situations in both of, of those uh, groups. Mm-hmm. So, Wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, 
And wrapping things up, I want to ask them, is there any advice on how young athletes and their families can advocate, you know, for their um, star athlete or just for the mm-hmm. athletes in general? I want to yes. say star athletes, yes. like, <laughs> all, you know, you have to be a star in order to go through this. You know? <laughs> well, look, it's so interesting that you said that because every parent thinks that their child is a star. That's, that's innate, right? That's, right. That's always going to be a thing. Right. But sometimes that ad, we need to realize that living up to that expectation mm. for the athlete may be... Um, a little too much mm-hmm. does that kind of like make mm-hmm. sense yeah, and it's yeah. nothing on the parents or anything because from your eyes you just want your child the athlete to be as successful as possible and if that means you know being in the sport and you know doing the great things and that's what it is but for the athlete it's like oh i have to do amazing in this because this is what i'm expected to do mm-hmm. um and where the hang-up is is not being able to communicate what those expectations are from parents, coaches, teammates, mm-hmm. whatever, and being able to vocalize that on a, you know, a, a, a fair level between the two people, two parties. Mm-hmm. Um, when I work with athletes, clients or whatever, I tell them that I'm working from a formula of um, recognition plus values mm-hmm. equals understanding. Mm-hmm. I'm recognizing the person in front of me for who they are, what they're going through and what they're needing help with. Mm-hmm. And our values may be different, but we can align some of them in some form or fashion mm-hmm. to get through. And then it'll equal that understanding. And mm. for us to understand each other, we'll have to do a little work, right? Yes. right? And doing that work is a lot better than shutting down, not being heard, not having advocates, not mm. getting your you know thoughts and feelings across in a effective manner. Mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing now is those feelings and thoughts that I had about the experience that I had in my life aren't bad. It's just a different way. It's a way that I can vocalize them without Mm -hmm. being a burden to others, without feeling guilty about talking about it, because Mm -hmm. I can't change those things. They are, they happen and they made me who I am now. So, yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. I I just know what my son, I knew the consequences of being put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Is a start is because he was in the papers a lot and they is an is an athlete. And mm-hmm. I honestly did the opposite. I was like, don't, <laughs> I was trying to warn don't him. Don't fall for that. Right. right. <laughs> but I see when you were just speaking, I was like, okay, I wasn't, I missed one part of that formula. I wasn't recognizing and then understanding. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing that formula. Thank you. Sorry. Let me just say this too. You know, speaking of the newspapers, I don't know if my mom told this story, but at a, a, I don't know if it was a conference or a sectional track meet in high school, but it was at Southeast. Um, I was running a four by one and we didn't win. We got second, mm-hmm. but I was so frustrated because of the arguments we were having before the meet, you know, mm-hmm. what happened during that race mm-hmm. that I like just crumbled and just had my hand in my head and I was just on the track and the newspaper came up just clicking, clicking, clicking. And my mom just came out, picked me up and said, do never let them see you sweat like that. Mm. You may be frustrated or upset or something, but don't let that emotion come to the surface like that. And since then, I have never allowed myself to, you know, um, um, come to that type of um, um, arousal. Because mm-hmm. that's really was like emotional arousal, not being able to regulate it in that moment. I was so mm-hmm. frustrated. But like seeing that picture the next day, I was like, she's always got my back. She always right. knows like what I need to do. 
Um, so mm-hmm. I can trust in her, but um, I need to do that for myself. Does mm-hmm. that kind of make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah, a lot definitely. of sense. Yeah, and I just, uh, Nikki, so, yeah, I'm the just... parents aren't doing the things wrong. You all are doing things right, but we can always do things better. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> I love, but I like what you just said with the formula. It's it's that disconnect be- between the formula because we all do one component of the, the formula, and mm-hmm. it just equals to something that that says misunderstanding instead of understanding. Mm-hmm. And yep. I just appreciate what you said. But I was about to say, I'm seeing another side of Nikki because she is so quiet and she is <laughs> she is just, I mean, I know that this is a strong woman, but mm-hmm. I, I admire everything. I appreciate you more. In all honesty, Jordan, we mm-hmm. wanted to speak on the brain health a little bit more. I have a cousin who had a son who had experienced brain um uh, brain how do you say when it, the brain is not in its healthiest moment yeah you can say describe exactly how you're thinking it, like brain health issues you can, i mean those are just terms that i just interchange in there so you can say you know mental health issues or whatever it's fine <laughs> no I, I respect what you're saying because i understand and so he had some come to it and he wind up passing away so mm-hmm. um we wanted to speak on that especially for the black community a lot more because there's a lot of taboos that are being lifted. And mm-hmm. now we just need to know where do we go from here? And yeah. everything you spoke about today has been so helpful. And I am so, I was so excited about this because we get an expertise and you've articulated it so well. And I hate to say that because black people do talk well, but <laughs> but you, I say vocalize it. Like you saying, I'll use your term because that's a wonderful term. You vocalized it so well. And I know this is going to be so helpful to so many people. So thank you for taking the time, Jordan. I so appreciate you. No, thank you all. And you know, uh, before I go, just learning different terms and putting different words to the how we're like feeling has added so much clarity for me mm. so uh you know just changing you know mental health to brain health like i said that takes the stigma away a little bit and just applying those little tools for anyone mm-hmm. that's a free resource anyone can do that yes. um when I learned that I could do that, that's one of the things that I realized that's a tool that I'm going to have to use in all areas of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a struggle, but I would rather go through that and mm-hmm. put in the effort than not. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And one last thing. I'm sorry. Is Very there good. like a book or any books that you would recommend um, for our listeners? And I mean, even for us that we can maybe, you know, read and just get some more understanding of this? Yeah, you are interesting. I, I'm actually reading a book called Heavy, an American Memoir by Kizzy Layman. That's K-I-E-S-E-L-A-Y-M-O-N. Um, his story is so interesting uh, because he went through a lot of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And um, in his time, uh, he's a, a PhD uh, psychologist, I think, um, and different dynamics that are related to mine and like my experiences. Um, but again, normalizing that, okay, even though I've been through this traumatic experience, doesn't mean that I'm an other or I'm mm. different than everyone. Um but it's just something I went through that got me to where I am at right now. So for me, normalizing things 
that I've been through is helpful for me. I don't know if it'll be helpful for everyone, but that's just one of the things that I've learned to do for myself. Mm. But um, I can definitely send you some more books that I have or like psychology books and like, uh, you know, regular literature um, yeah, and even definitely. like podcasts too, because really yes. listening to like podcasts definitely helped me out through a lot of stuff. So yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. We'll love to post that in our show notes. Definitely. And use them for ourselves. <laughs> right. Because <Yeah. laughs> this has been really good. Yeah, yeah. We wish you well when you go to L.A. We know you're going to rock it. And um, if you don't come back, we'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to check in on Nikki. Yeah, please do, because you know she's going to need it. She's already talking about finding her uh, apartment for herself out there. Oh, Lord. Wow. I don't blame oh, her. Man. You are a wonderful <laughs> person and wow i don't blame her so i'll try to hold <laughs> and if her you here. all everyone you know want to talk to me again i'm always free and open sorry you know it took a while for us to finally talk but oh, hey no, we no got problem. here yeah definitely definitely this has been awesome and again thanks uh, for joining our podcast and discussing your afterthoughts thank you so much all right you take care you too <laughs>